0: Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations.
1: We, 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 we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Heart, the fifth column.
0: Come Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast. I put my key, you put your key in, you know the deal. Ski masks, ransom notes, we're not playing games. The it's Camille Foster do various things at Freethink Media, and I want all of the smoke. Uh, Matt Welsh is in the building, editor-at-large of Reason Magazine. Actually, he's not in the building because we're still doing that weird thing on Zoom. So, hi, Matt, over there. Thanks. Michael Moynihan, also not in the building, but on the yeah. Zoom. Uh, how the hell are you guys doing? Can Come we seat each other? The, Moynihan, you and I haven't seen each other, have we? No, no. A lot has transpired since the That's last transpired. time we did this. Yeah. Just to catch everyone up on what's going on here. You know, there was a global pandemic. I escaped New York. And uh, most of us were told, hey, you can't go to your office anymore. You have to stay the hell home. And then, you know, global pandemic, 30 million jobs lost, $3 trillion almost, like bailout money, not counting whatever the Fed is printing. Well, press digitating is the right word and using to purchase up all kinds of junk bonds and whatever else. And all of that's going swell, you know, recession, maybe 10 year long depression plus pandemic, no vaccine in sight. Will there ever be one? We don't know. We're not even quite sure what it is. We need ventilators. Everybody's going to die. Oh, wait, the ventilators are killing people. Then I was upstate and
2: I stopped at a yard sale and it was just all ventilators. <laughs> and then so many. I was like,
0: Jesus, what are you guys like? I don't know. They just got a ton of them. Apparently, they're made by GM. Everyone <laughs> everyone got woke again. And suddenly, yeah. we have chaos in the streets and peaceful protests, but also. Violence, psycho actual riots stop talking about it you're not allowed to talk about that only
2: focus on the
0: and all of that is happening simultaneously and it's june did you remember that in january early january we were talking about iran (laughs) don't remember that was this year (laughs) that was this year when they blew up yeah. the guy at the airport.
2: Is that the one place we invaded in 2003? Is that the other one? That's the other one, right?
1: <laughs> Who knows? We, had it. we did an impeachment. Oh, my we God. We did an
2: impeachment. Oh, wait a second. I did a show. About
1: <laughs> you did? It was called like That impeachment
2: Show or some yeah, yeah. shit. I don't even remember. What yeah. is going it's on? It's so weird. I was I couldn't drive oh. back to my apartment today because of the protests. Because everyone, I couldn't drive in the street. It took me an hour and a half to get out of the city. I kept on being shunted down different streets. And I finally got out and then um, stopped and hung out with, with, with my girl, my little daughter, and then um, had to walk back because it was the, the, the streets were clogged. And it was peaceful, um, loud, peaceful, um, you know, totally normal. Just in normal a protest you'd see. The only thing that was, you know, off about it from my perspective was that some of the signs were completely batshit. Um, like the like white lady that I saw that had the sign that said, Eye for an Eye, we shoot back. And I was like, <laughs> Girl, you're not, sh- you, it's first not of all, it's not, it's it's not, not funny, funny. Sure. second of all, you don't, because I know <laughs> you, you, really have, like, and you have like, you have like, you're not a big you fan of the go. Second Amendment, I don't think. Didn't yeah. look like somebody that had like, like a, a beretta <laughs> tucked into her jacket, but that was a good, crazy one. But most of them were just you know, fuck the police. And there's a lot of fuck the police ones. Um, and just, just really boring black lives matter. But the ones that also, and this is why I want to get Camille to talk about, because Camille, you sent, you sent a text about this, (laughs) about this renunciation ceremony that it was like, I think you take ayahuasca and you puke. And then you talk about (laughs) your white privilege in a circle in public. But I saw a lot of signs like that, that were like, you know, sorry for being white. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not doing it good enough. <laughs> I'll try harder. Yeah.
0: Or something. So tell me about, about- random, random people stop you in the street and say, What can we do to oh, help yeah. you? Are you yeah, okay? Yeah. Are you suffering? I have a
1: feeling that doesn't happen in deep Appalachia where you're at right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just a guess. It hasn't. No, but everyone is super nice yeah. to me.
0: Everyone is super nice to me. I haven't had no problems here whatsoever. They probably have some problems um, up here though. Uh, I mean, if you were if you, well, no, well, if you I mean, were they, at a protest... Unless they know. They have to know No, but if you said to anyone
2: in a public situation...
0: I'll give you an example, because
2: you sent this video, too. Guy was like, people of color in the front, like white people in the back. And just, if you want to do the middle. If we don't take the Don't separate us. We're all out here together. No, we're not Get
1: to the back, back, back bro.
2: Right about, right about, right um, And the kid yeah. is like, I, "I thought it was all about being equal and like you know being one." And they're like, "Shut the fuck up!" It's just like hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It was like just, hilarious. He was like, what? bro, just bro. move, bro, yeah. just move." And he was bro. just like,
0: "You're just like this dopey kid who was like, oh, it was about like Martin Luther King stuff.'" And they're like, "No, where have you been?" And in this particular, in this particular video, um, what's actually happening is they are organizing. Ahead of marching someplace, and they are arranging themselves so that the white people are along the perimeters of the group, yeah. so the police won't hurt them because they're protected by whiteness. Do you see how that works? What? Do you see how that works? <laughs> One, police totally shoot white people. That is a thing that but they're also, to do. But also, if they really under, wanted to get under, at black people, I think they'd also hit
2: the white people to get to them. So they're like, Whoa, <laughs> "Don't, them. don't yeah. touch them." It's just magical yeah. people. Don't touch them. If they really want to get to them, they'll uh, kick the asses of those guys, too. It's utterly, utterly absurd. <laughs> what is going on, man? I don't understand anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, isn't it an offense against nature, an offense against, you know, the human rights of everybody but yourself if you just don't get what's
1: going on <laughs> I was uh, finishing dinner preparation tonight and was uh, looking at our little kitchen TV uh, for the local TV news, which... You watch now because you want to know, like, yeah. w- which bridge are the cops hurting <laughs> protesters on yeah. uh, today, or you know which entire sections of Midtown Manhattan are being indiscriminately looted without anyone caring. Although they've, and we're recording this on uh, Thursday night, I think, yeah. um, uh, mm-hmm. and I think basically last night, Wednesday, they kind of stopped. They they finally started to intervene. So it started to slow down a little bit. It's not like the kids started to slow down, but the cops got in and, and, and yeah. started to say no. Uh, but anyways, I was just sitting there watching my local uh, TV news to see what, what's what's, la- what's the latest. And um, uh, a guy who might be a listener to the show, but was an intern at Reason, maybe during Moynihan's day, uh, Armin Rosen. Yes. <laughs> yes, he's sitting there. Pushed off his bike or something. He was on. Was he was on the local TV with like his weird jupro and like this startled look on his face. He's perpetually startled and uh, and like uh, saying, "Yeah, um, I got pushed off my. They beat me with clubs and they stole my bike. I stole <laughs> my bike. Yeah. Armin's Armin's a great guy and uh, and I don't I don't mean to make fun of his pain too much. Um, uh, but uh, that's <laughs> fine. it. That's how weird things are right now. Is that you turn on your local TV? And Armin Freaking Rosen is on talking about yeah. crap. So that's how much we don't understand the world.
2: <laughs> I've seen some like really shock, shocking cop videos today. I hadn't really a lot before. um And I wasn't avoiding mm-hmm. them, but I just, I think a lot of them, people were so desperate for it to be true that they were pushing everything out. There was like a girl tripped. I remember the first one I saw was like a girl tripped and they were like, look at the cops throwing this woman into a well or something. And I was like, I don't know, she just tripped. But um, then I saw something. I sent Camille on this one from Detroit that was like pretty brutal. And then there was one that I saw today. Oh, yeah. And I don't know where, but it was unbelievable. And I just don't understand how people, um how cops do that when they know they're being filmed by everybody. I just don't understand it.
0: It is interesting because some of the rough treatment and some of the things that we've seen that I've seen people complain about most, it was actually in a, in a production meeting earlier today at Freethink where I do various things of great importance with a remarkable team. I mean, just really smart people. We were talking about uh, some of the footage of people who uh, I don't remember where it was um, in America because it's like this all over, but they're, they have a curfew and there were folks sitting on their porches and there were was a Minneapolis through the neighborhood Weird. telling people get inside it was Minneapolis okay get inside get inside <laughs> and then firing these tear gas canisters or pe- uh, paintball ball or rounds or, or something yeah. into people's porches yeah and we were talking and i and one of the guys was saying yeah i mean we were looking at the uh, rules of engagement there and it is not clear that the cops were acting illegally at all This is kind of a thing that they can do under these circumstances. Terrifying that it's true, and it is the case that in a number of the things that people find disturbing are things that police officers are in fact allowed to do. And there are other things like just the the lockdowns themselves, which have just been extended and extended and extended, as well as these these um, curfews that have been implemented all over the country. The exact limits on these things are not something that are well-defined in many instances. And there are significant civil liberties questions that need to be answered. Um, but it's worth noting that the police are not in all of those videos where you see them doing things that disturb you, acting outside of what the law permits, which may be something that we want to address at some point.
2: I think that one of the things to think about is, and again, this we're teeing up a lot of the things that we'll talk about. One is, of course, the Tom Cotton um, New York Times opinion piece yeah but one of the things about this really um shitty idea uh, let's say and i think that it's really funny that people are outraged that you know it's not about you know allowing him to talk it's about the shitty idea it's like have you ever read the new (laughs) york times opinion page i'm (laughs) totally stunned when there's a good idea in it but so it was kind of par for the course but one of the things that i i was with with tom cotton i don't think makes this point but the thing i say the one thing i could say And I am opposed with every fiber of my being. And I remember texting you, Camille. I was like, you said, I said, Trump. And you're like, what? I was like, he's speaking now. And I quoted him as saying, like, we need to, like, get a psycho force of, like, the toughest military guys or whatever he said. (laughs) And it's appalling. And, I, you know, this is exactly. insane. It's exactly what we don't want, what we don't need, and is, you know, wrong from beginning to end. The one thing you could say if you're trying to find something in the Tom Cotton piece um is that you know the military is actually far better trained than
0: the local police mm-hmm. you know the local police who are who are stretched who stretched, are exhausted, exhausted. Who they're have been are under, working you know around the clock for two and a half months now and they
2: and their people are saying we hate you particularly co- you know cop killer yeah. kind of thing like you know not cop killer but like you know um
0: fuck right. the police kind of thing um, and they're obviously making mistakes as a consequence of a lot of this. And in some cases, yeah. just losing it. They're just losing like, it. You can tell that
2: that's yeah, what it's And also, there's
1: some, there's some a-holes with impunity. There's
2: a-holes seen. with impunity. Oh, I'm but you know, these are guys like in the military. And again, I know this is slightly different for National Guard and everything. But, but th- these are guys that like, if you were walking through the Anbar province during the Anbar Awakening, if you were walking through Fallujah after the, the first enormous battle in Fallujah, like – or after the like the coin stuff in Afghanistan of like we have to win hearts and minds and everything, you don't go in because you tried that and it didn't work. And this is a big, uh, you know, part of the counterinsurgency theory is like you don't go around uh, beating people up, pushing them with your guns, putting the butt of the rifle into the backs. Like you try to win it. They are so much more controlled than some of the stuff that I've seen. And I don't want to to paint with a broad brush on any side here that the protesters. Are, are uniformly X or Y, or that the cops are uniformly X or Y. Because I think people on both sides are being complete dickheads about this. And like everybody is, is just picking their narrative and ignoring the other side. There are videos that show cops wilding out and being assholes and doing terrible things. Mm-hmm. They should be punished. They should be fired from the force. And this is the time for them to step up and act like real cops. If they can't do that. And now's the time for them to go, right? And then on the other side, I see people getting brutalized on Twitter by the other blue marks for saying that violence is bad. Violence with protesters is bad. That is stupid. Punching people in the face is stupid. Kicking people in the face, defending their stores, shooting 70 year old African American, by the way, 70 year old cop defending a store and murdering him is not good. Why is this complicated?
0: That's a true story. This is
2: not as a true story. And it's,
0: that's not a, yeah. you
2: haven't heard anything about it by the way, but if it, cause it's not, it's not very narrative pleasing, but if you care about innocent people being shot and killed, you should care about them being shot and killed by everybody. And now I get, and I understand that the police wield power. They can have power. It's especially pernicious when those people who control, have control over you in that such a way are wielding it in away with impunity and with, you know, extreme force and unnecessary force. But, you know, I, I see all these other stories that are just kind of being forgotten about and overlooked because of a narrative.
1: One of the interesting uh, things, I think, to observe about the last couple of weeks or however long it's been, 5,000 years since we've been having uh, <laughs> the, this discussion, um, is that it is almost unanimous, like from President Trump, to Tom Cotton, to whoever is the person that you hate the most. And those two guys are in my top five. Like it's hard to imagine who yeah, else Tom is going to, Tom Cotton is insufferable. Jo- Josh Holly is, is definitely competing for, for oh, also terrible. market space there. Um, mm-hmm. but if these are, you know, like, I, I think the first piece that I wrote about, um, Tom Cotton five years ago, which is at least, you know, four years and 364 days before a lot of people heard of Tom Cotton, Um, was like gop's new foreign policy policy darling is an authoritarian nightmare i think is the uh, exact quote on the (laughs) on the headline he's a bad person like he's he's the guy who has been saying that trump has gone too far with criminal justice reform we got to stop we actually aren't Mm -hmm. locking up enough people that's an argument that he has made he's terrible so i went to to read his op-ed hours after already so this is a you know, again, we're recording on Thursday. This is something that has made uh, Blue Check World go crazy for the past 24 hours is that Tom Cotton had a piece in the New York Times opinion section, I think just online. I'm not even sure he made it in the print paper, arguing that uh, uh, President Trump used the Insurrection Act of 1807 to send troops in to places where the rioters continue to rage out of control and the local cops are either overwhelmed or just sitting on their hands. Um, and so I expected, given the reaction to this piece, which was, I wish I was making this up, but which <laughs> was the News Guild of the New York Times reporter saying that it's a clear threat to the safety of black and brown journalists at the New York Times. That's yeah. among the quotes. Five, 560,000 accounts all with the same message. Uh, and uh, plenty of New York Times re- re- reporters, including. Some people who I have in the past had uh, pretty good respect for Taylor Lorenz comes to mind, you know, tweeting out the exact same phraseology, which is, you know, this op ed puts uh, black lives in danger or, you know, New York Times, black, Lives, a black, black New York Times. Report. Way, in danger. Or black New York Can Times we just
2: staff. point out quickly that that is mm-hmm. being presumptuous uh, again? I just made the, the argument, which I think is a pretty solid one. Maybe other people disagree. That the military is far more controlled in situations like this than the the cops are. Um, the, you're presuming and insulting the military that if they would be in that situation, they would shoot black people. That's not the issue at hand here. The issue at hand of the the claim is that the police do that. There's no claim. I mean, on one end, it's usually that it, that the military careers are unfortunately loaded and front loaded towards minorities because it's an, oftentimes the only option. And there's not, there's sometimes there's truth to that, but mostly there isn't. There's a big myth about that in Vietnam and about the number of people who died and the cannon fodder argument about young black men. And I mean, it's kind of a strange thing though, is that the presumption is that you're putting us in danger. If you say that the, we put the military in and that means they automatically start shooting black people.
1: Well, there's... The I, one, I,
2: I, 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 maybe I'm missing something. I one, missing something.
1: One piece of that that's important is that Uh, And the reason I sort of brought this up, and there's plenty of things to talk about uh, within it, is just that I expected, based on the preemptive negative reaction um, to the op-ed and the racial framing of it, that it must be like, I don't know, some George Wallace stuff going on here. Um, But even Tom Cotton, who, again, is loathsome, he's top five loathsome, who is advocating an idea that I think is terrible um, and dangerous. Extremely. and bad would put idea. black lives and white lives and brown lives, yellow. Do we say that anymore? Yellow lives, red lives, Jeez. all the colors <laughs> of lives. Two st-
2: the last two that we don't say anymore, by the way. Bad.
1: Just, yeah, do the. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But of all in danger, even that op ed uh, made the point of delineating between the majority of demonstrators who were peaceful and. The uh, the looters and rioters who are not like even he is distinguished. So everybody in the conversation who hates each other's guts, who want to get into the new civil war with one another are with rare exceptions. I presume Todd Starnes or Jesse Waters or whatever absolute dim bulb is attempting to flicker in uh, 1211 Avenue of the Americas um, might be making some other argument. But the basic argument on the other side of the protests Agree as a given that it's good that the cops got charged in the George Floyd killing, that the killing was wrong. The officer used too much force and that most of the demonstrators are peaceful and they have a good reason to be demonstrating. Like that, that is a baseline that everybody agrees on. And it's remarkable. It's remarkable the first
2: time that it has, you know, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, people like that. I'm like, wow, what what pressure are they under to do this? Tucker might be
1: a little bit different. I didn't watch this whole 30 minute uh, diatribe. And he's got a different. You should watch the whole No, thank you. You really should. Uh, yeah. I've, I should have a five and 11 year old in my house every day under quarantine for the last three months. <laughs> I will be accepting no lectures about should from anybody. But, either well, you.
2: Well, t- 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 to Camille's point,
1: I actually sent that to
2: Camille and with the caveat that, like, it's not what he says that as a reason you should watch this, because, I mean, there's. To say there's plenty to disagree with that is, is, is an oh my understatement. God. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Jesus Christ. Are no, you no, kidding me?
0: like 60, 60 odd percent of yeah. it, maybe 67, maybe 80 is like, what? Excuse me? What just happened? But, there? but
2: it is the thing that when you talk about, you know, really shitty pop bands that, you know, you know dominate the world, there's a reason people like the Bay City Rollers. Find out why. It doesn't mean you have to like them, but figure it out. That's what you do with Tucker Carlson, is that figure out why this thing is so popular amongst a certain subset of people in Fox news viewers and everything. And people find him uniquely dangerous and the rest of it. You can have the exact same views and have more extreme views because at least Tucker in some senses gets off a reservation sometimes, which is not common amongst Fox people. He's, he's his own thinker. And that thinking is, um, shall we say not something that I'm often overlapping with, but uh, just to put it mildly, but it is – to 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 say just in a, in a flat way, to understand how that guy is successful at TV is, is the exact way and the same way that I watch Rachel Maddow in the early days of the Russiagate stuff, which I thought was also batshit. And I was like, oh, yeah, she's good at this. She knows what she's doing. She's threading that stuff in a way and it's bringing people in. And that is a complicated issue and she's making it more complicated than it has to be and it was a huge ratings bonanza it was like doubling her ratings it was crazy and then you watch Tucker and it's like oh that's how you do it i see i see what he's doing now what he's doing is doing what everybody else is doing the first the first bit of that le- lecture you know you have um, um, Brian Stelter agreeing uh, with Ben Dominus saying like this this feels like a very important cable tv moment and he would, and Brian Stelter was like i agree and that's not i agree with him it's i agree with that this is something kind of unique. And the first bit of that is very well-threaded, well-threaded because you know what they're doing. Like kind of, here's the bad stuff. Here's people getting kicked in the face. Here's old ladies getting kicked in the face. Here's all that stuff. Mm. And it's, he's, Mm. he's very skilled at at, at putting it together. But you know, the other side of that, of course, is what you see on, on Twitter. And what, no, I mean, you have people like Zach Beauchamp, From, I don't know where he is now. Vox. Vox. But he used to be Center for American Progress, whatever. And lefty guy, pretty lefty, very activisty guy on Twitter said the, the thing that he couldn't, shouldn't say today. That like defunding the police seems like a bad idea in a situation like this when people are getting punched in the face. (laughs) And it was like, just read the, read the responses. It is like we are literally in the early stages of the Maoist Cultural Revolution. It is buh. Nan is the guy has as lefty credibility and, and credentials as you can imagine, but, like, saying anything, like, on the other side. So pe- that, that, the reason I bring that up is that the other people are just only, to, that like, cop violence, which is real and it's happening. And Tucker is only having the, the, the protester riot or violence, which is real and is happening. And never shall the twain meet. And when somebody does, like, hey, I don't know. Like, it's probably bad to, same thing with Lee Fang, right? Yeah, yeah. Lee Fang is another former Center for American Progress guy, lefty guy that is at the Intercept.
0: At the Intercept, yeah. No, I I don't know too much about what's going on here. Yeah. But from what you read on Twitter. Yeah, I saw on Twitter there just seems to be some sort of weird dust up uh, because it seems he was shooting something in a park someplace. And a guy who identifies himself as, I believe, mostly black with some Native American is how he described himself. Whatever the hell that means. Race is so stupid. He look, I just he want to kind remind of remind all of you. Race is ridiculous. Yeah. It makes it's absolutely no sense that you people continue to sustain this this <laughs> fiction. But at any rate, he goes on to say, and it is very obvious that he is a, a a proponent of the campaign that Black Lives Matter is advocating for. And he is generally supportive of the protest movement, but he is deeply concerned about A lot of the rioting stuff. And he specifically is concerned about the bizarreness of a circumstance where there seems to be unique and particular concern about white people killing black people, and no general concern, or at least no particular concern, about black people killing other black people, and perhaps even brown people killing other black people, and vice versa. This seems strange to him and is disconcerting. And apparently at least one of his Intercept colleagues and presumably more because there is an army of people who are going directly at Lee's head on Twitter now believe that Lee having the audacity to produce a video and post a video containing someone else stating their own opinion about what is happening in the protest and specifically pointing out an actually fundamentally true thing. That more black people die at the hands of other black people than black people die at the hands of white people in general or die at the hands of police. That his feeling that it is weird, not Lee's, this person who's speaking, that it is weird that there seems to be greater concern for one thing than the other, makes Lee a racist because Lee is highlighting black-on-black crime. It doesn't make any sense, but... It is still part of a dastardly campaign to—I don't know—denigrate him. But at least a few assholes on Twitter are doing more than simply denigrating him; they are threatening him. But there, but and there's some people unconscious Wasn't
2: there one person who was a colleague of his?
0: Yeah, it's it's a colleague who I saw publicly like, say underneath publicly underneath something, you know, stop being racistly, uh, and then I saw a pretty a pretty nasty. Uh, back and forth between Scahill and uh, who was it who Michael Scahill was going back and forth with? Michael yeah. Tracy. Yeah. Online. Um, which is very uh, personal at various points, but it does seem to me that, you know, having a colleague call you racist publicly and, you know, Jeremy is someone I've met. Jeremy Skayhill at the intercept is someone I've met. I don't, I can't say that we're friendly um, but he wasn't leaping to Lee's defense in that thread. He was leaping to this female suicide. colleague's defense in the thread and suggesting that it was inappropriate for Michael Tracy to be saying things about her publicly because he was, quote, attacking a black woman oh, God. You know during like the Trump administration in Trump's America. So what should he do? But of course, Michael Michael hadn't said anything about this woman's race at all. Yeah. He simply said... And I, I I would say he simply said some pretty harsh things, but nothing at all about it is racist. And it, it cannot be the case that your blackness protects you from criticism, that your blackness means you
1: simply cannot be criticized. But that is actually where we are now. I, the force of events have forced us to be somewhat scatterbrained. In the production of this particular podcast, because there's so many crazy things happening all <laughs> around us. It's impossible. <laughs> it's true. Like, literally, <laughs> true. the guest that we had on last time and our friend who's like has the red velvet jacket of a fifth column guest, uh, Barry Weiss, is trending on Twitter because she wrote like four tweets pointing out very much uh, matter of factly the same things that she said on the last episode of Fifth Column, which is like, hey, there's a generational war. At the New York Times, people over a certain age, forty-ish, um, tend to think of themselves as kind of like uh, you know due process liberals, the yeah. ones below are woke, uh, and they have these 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 conflicts, and they come out, and it's and it's been increasing over time, and this um, uh, impacts the way that people are talking about the Tom, you know, publishing the Tom Cotton thing. So she's Seems going true. Seems Seems, true to me. Seems uh, totally true. I wrote a piece about this at Ed Reeson today and and, uh, uh, and referencing some of that and and also embedding our conversation with Barry. um, And, you know, there are – we've talked probably about a dozen examples of this happening all throughout the Manhattan-based media over the years. Um, So it's not an implausible thing. And she's being absolutely – dragged and quartered rhetorically so that's one of many things that we can and 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 are talking about but i just even want to f- uh, backfill the zach beauchamp thing because it's it's all all this is kind of related right this and this is in the mm-hmm. same week that i believe on tuesday was, was that the day that everyone did the black square on instagram i got i got a bunch of messages messages from people who were like literally they
2: were like i'm getting shit for not putting this black square and I was like, "What?" And because I, I was I was
0: traveling that day, and I was like, "What are you talking about, Black Square?" I'll say confidentially that not confidentially, <laughs> I've talked you know, to people on, confidentially. Yeah, because I know I realize that. Yeah, well, this is I've mixed my first whiskey sour of the evening. Um, I'll say so. This is good, this is going to be a good one, people. Um, I <laughs> will say that I've spoken to some people in confidence, and in other cases, spoken to people who know people. Um, but I have knowledge of lots of people who are. They share my sensibilities, which is to say that they support criminal justice reform. They are outraged by excesses in policing, and they desperately want to see this happen. But they also are somewhat critical of Black Lives Matter, and they are somewhat skeptical of the persistent framing of criminal justice issues with respect to race, which oftentimes means that race and disparities come first and the need for criminal justice reform comes afterwards. I'll explain why that's a problem in a little bit. but every single one of them was contemplating whether or not they should a mm-hmm. post the black square modify their logo in some in some way shape or form and b issue a statement of some sort a a message of solidarity expressing their unique concern for black people at this particular moment but also saying explicitly that they you know denounce not merely racism in most cases, but systemic racism and the systemic racism that is obviously responsible for killing the man involved in the most recent incident that has helped to inspire all of this. And that seems like, I mean, that is a concession that most of them kind of don't believe it seems to me, but lots of them bent the knee, lots of them Mm -hmm. conceded, for concern that their business would be hurt in some way, or that someone might come after them, which interestingly, in most of their cases, some of them are, are big companies. Some of these are recognizable brands that I'm not going to talk about. And in other cases, they're small companies and the chances that any sort of backlash would come to them like, is actually quite small, but it doesn't matter because the chilling effect is nearly total. And it requires something of you to say, you know what? No
2: it's yeah we don't i mean people don't often realize that you know like oh just man up and do it it's like there's a lot of people that have you know families and make good livings that they've worked hard to to get to and think that that if they are dissenters on this that it's a binary view it's, I mean we've abandoned nuance which was the thing that we were supposed to you know it's the thing that Fox News abandoned right they have no nuance they're just black and white the cudgel kind of thing and the people who criticize Fox and criticize the talk radio, and I think rightfully on on both counts, are now doing the exact same thing. If the, if you don't have the the, the exact right uh, response to this, you are um, a bad guy. You're the, you're on the wrong side of of history. But to the Barry thing, which I think is interesting, is I've been I've been alarmed at how stupid her colleagues are. It's really impressive <laughs> to me that people who get paid that much to do so little. Um, and to write such frivolous nonsense can be so dumb. Because I saw people who are not only contributors to the New York Times, not even on staff, contributors, people do this. I write for them here and there. I write them here and there. Say this. What Barry says is not true. Okay. One does not need to have that scene at the end of an Hercule Poirot (laughs) where you get everybody to gather in the living room and you say, aha, this is what you're not listening to and not paying attention to. Barry is the only one who would know this. They wouldn't know it. Why not? Because no one will tell them. If there is a liberal kind of cognizanti up at the top who are in their 40s and 45, 50 years old, they're not telling the young people that they're afraid of them. But you know what? The, uh, the young people who are are the ones that get to say their opinions, no matter how harsh they are, no matter how bonkers they are, with no sanction and no fear of sanction, and Barry's pointing out that there is a divide here. People who say that that's not true. I work here. That's not true. You wouldn't know it's true because they don't talk to you about this stuff. That is the point. That is the point of what she's saying. So stop telling me I, I know it's not true. Well, I, you know, I also know from multiple people that there are Slack channels devoted to hating Barry Weiss at her job. Imagine if there are Slack channels hating Nicole Hannah Jones.
1: Yeah. uh oh my god uh we know <laughs> that there are slack channel channels hating couldn't, couldn't stand hating uh, barry weiss because they were leaked to the huffington yeah. post in 2018 oh, right, in yeah, order yeah, yeah. to try to make her look bad she's getting
0: <laughs> which is
1: insane, it's insane. <laughs> <It's> insane. <laughs> so the like, anonymous uh, anonymous slack like like absolute shit talking of a colleague um uh, let's let's link it to the Huffington Post and, and talk about what a moral monster Barry Wise is. Um, uh, and I mean, judge for yourself, uh, people, uh, I, I don't think Barry has been on a program with us in which I didn't disagree with her about some issue. But like mm-hmm. as a general like comportment person, does she sound like a monster? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, the worst thing that ever happened to The New York
2: Times, the worst thing. Was that gay woman who left the Wall Street Journal because it was too pro Trump?
1: <laughs> that was
2: just gay, a bridge too far. The
1: bisexual Jewish woman. Come on, like if she uh, if, uh, yeah. if she used uh, any of that like as a shield, like she could she show, doesn't she could like, like get get the Jeremy Scahill points and that's it. You know, my God, she doesn't. How dare you criticize bisexual I, I just, Jewish? I, I
0: don't. <laughs>
1: I do
2: not believe that this is somebody I know, and I defend my friends. And, you know there's also by the way, no point in doing it online. Um, you know it's it's running in front of the of the you know tank is just gonna crush you and crush It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Barry's not defending herself online either because the I, these people are just humiliating themselves, I think, and it's an echo chamber. I, I'll give you one more example. There's a guy sent this thing, I, I don't know who he writes for Slate or something. and he said, oh well, that's rich Barry. you tried to get my wife to go have coffee with you, and she refused, presumably in some journalistic way, and she refused, and you reported her to her boss. Time out, time out. What happens right underneath that unbelievably idiotic tweet? First of all, that is somebody pretending to shoehorn it into context. Well, funny you say that. It's like, no, that just nothing to do with it. You're just trying to denounce this person with some like sordid little personal event that you, d- you didn't like, It has no relevance to the actual issue at hand. But what happens right beneath it? A number of people, some of whom I know, say like, whoa, wow, lol, can't believe it. It's like, did anyone fucking ask, you fucking journalist morons, how do you report somebody to their boss for not having coffee? What is wrong with you? That's not a thing. Could somebody ask, what are you talking about, dude? Like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, no, 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 it's time. No, no, it's time. We have to, I'm, we're all throwing punches at Barry. Come on. You know what Barry is? She's the fucking Twitter version of those videos online of like people trying to defend their stores and getting kicked in the face. There's like the whole mob descends on them and starts punching and punching and punching and everyone gets their licks in and then they walk away. I have. And it's just like, come on,
0: guys. I have. Who is, who is, who is Goldie Taylor? She Gentleman.
2: is. Uh, she Works for the or, Daily Beast, the or Daily thing. Beast or something. I'm, I she, so she
0: tweets. So she tweets in in response to all of the the ongoing awfulness involving Barry. Why she still got her teeth? Question mark. What do you What do you think that means? I don't know because there's, the,
2: there's 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 no verb conjugation. <laughs> I, there's I,
0: no, it's, I it's think a mess that, of I words. I think that, in that might
1: be a reference to the hippity hop.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's a reference to actually like some sort of act of violence being perpetrated against her. Do you and think it of commands and again? Perhaps you it's figurative, I mean, but do you think that's okay? It, like is that fine? Is it, is it okay, okay to do that? To, someone I, someone says something critical and even is. if it's about her colleagues, you don't like it. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's just the worst thing anyone could say. The response to that, the appropriate response from a responsible journalist, someone who works at a serious publication and is supposed to be writing and saying serious things and is responsible for ensuring the integrity of the work that's happening underneath their guidance. They say, why
1: she still got her teeth. That's fine. I think it's worthwhile because it's short enough to read uh, Barry's uh, tweet thread. Because not not okay. to amplify her voice on this platform, certainly not. No, we wouldn't do that. Because, I mean, that. we, we should be deplatformed. Like we know this. That's but right. it's actually to give a sense of, like, imagine your life, that you read what you're about to hear on a social media platform, and it fills you with so much fury that you want to fantasize about kicking her teeth in. You want to talk about like how is it possible that such a mediocrite could ever like have a I can never pronounce that word even sober mediocrity uh, mediocrite mediocrity I always thought, anyway. mediocrity yeah whatever mediocrity I guess I <laughs> sound like Goldie Taylor <laughs> that's it Um, no but like how could she possibly have a job Uh she's monstrous etc so um and and I won't read every single word but it's a short thing the civil war inside the New York Times between the mostly young wokes and the mostly 40-plus liberals is the same one raging inside other publications and companies across the country. The dynamic is always the same. The old guard lives by a set of principles we could broadly call civil libertarianism. They assumed they shared that worldview with the young people they hired who called themselves liberals and progressives, but it was an incorrect assumption. The new guard has a different worldview, uh, one articulated best by John Hyatt and Greg Lukianoff. They call it safetyism, in which the right of people to feel emotionally and psychologically safe trumps what were previously considered core liberal values like free speech. I will just bracket there to remind people that one of the main uh, uh, criticisms of Tom Cotton publishing an op-ed in the New York Times, so thereby becoming the five trillionth sitting person who has power to publish an advocacy column in the paper of record, um, they're, they're saying that that made them feel as a clear uh, and present threat to the safety of journalists. Continuing with Barry, and it's going to end soon. Uh, Perhaps the cleanest example of this dynamic was in 2018 when David Remnick, under under tremendous public pressure from the staffers, disinvited Steve Bannon from appearing on stage at the New Yorker Ideas Festival. This is something we talked about last time she was on. I've been mocked by many people for the past few years for writing about the campus culture wars. They told me it was a sideshow, but this was always why it mattered. The people who graduated from those campuses would rise to power inside key institutions and transform them. I am in no way surprised by what has now exploded into public view. In a way, it's all the comforting. I feel less alone and less crazy trying to explain the dynamic to people. What I am shocked by is the speed. I thought it would take a few years and not a few weeks, etc. That's it. That's kind of it. That's imagine it. you just heard that and That's thought it. like, how can someone have such insipid points of view? Insipid. How does she even have a job kick her teeth in? Just imagine. How do you get there? It's the best thing about it is that goldie
2: taylor's um twitter bio she refers to herself as a human rights <laughs> <laughs> of funny isn't it until you say write some sort of banal tweet that is not something that is surprising or, or challenging. i mean I challenging, but it's a challenging surprising uh, point of view and then she might want to kick you in the teeth as if she's a guard at a Khmer Rouge camp or something. I mean, it's (laughs) gone, it's gone to look, man, it's gone to this point is that that's hyperbole. She's the way she defended too. But I'm, it's, I mean, to say, like if you said that about a New York times writer, who is a woman of color, you know, this is, Oh my god Talking about violence and violence every day. The Tom Cotton editorial opinion piece that mass, masterpiece of stupidity is the, the times itself apologized for it more or less saying we shouldn't have published it because people in time, inside the new york times say it could potentially be interpreted by somebody down the chain in a military command to open fire on black people or the presence of the military whatever but of course the presence of the military increases the likelihood of anyone being shot anywhere obviously we don't want that but what about is anyone from the New York Times defending Barry Weiss from somebody at the Daily Beast, this unbelievable halfwit named Goldie Taylor, who's done nothing uh, worth noting at all in her life, which is why she has all these phony things like, you know, I'm a I'm a human rights activist. I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. Did, did you just take a break from freeing Rohingya prisoners to, to write that tweet, Goldie. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not following your career at the moment, <laughs> but is anyone inside in your time stepping up to defend Barry that there's vi literally fantasies of violence specific. And the whole thing about Tom Cotton is about violence p- potentially being perpetrated on. So now let's go back to the other thing, which is we go all the way back to the Jared loffner I mentioned this on the, on the Patreon the other day is that, you know, the people who are responsible for the violence that happens, I never believe in this. I don't believe that somebody who says something is responsible for somebody who does something hideous. But if somebody punches Barry Weiss in the face, are all of those people who have made this this point with everybody and everything that dummy Trump has said and dummy Sarah Palin has said and you know dummy Glenn Beck has said, you're responsible for the violence that follows. Will they be responsible too? Will they be responsible when someone not you know uh, breaks into a store in the middle of a, a riot, not a demonstration? Because what I saw today was a demonstration, and it was peaceful, and people were making their point, and that was that. The cops were were behaving; the people, everybody was behaving. But in a riot, the people that do that sometimes interact with a police officer or a store owner, and we have seen already people getting killed. So, are those people writing for Slate and Vox or whoever? saying looting and rioting is, you know, righteous. That's closed fist. We have a history recently of people making the point that words can provoke violence, and you are saying you should be doing this looting. Sometimes that ends up in people being killed. I don't blame them; those people. They can have their dumb opinions, and we should debate them and talk about them and and tell them they're utter fools, as they expose themselves to be all the time. Unfortunately... <laughs> The profession protects these people, and they all pat each other on the back and say, What a clever point that you made. You'd be such a good sort of Leninist in 1917. It's boring. They're trying to be punk rock, trying to like out like this is how much I care. I care so much that burn it all down, defund the police, you know, break the system into little bits, and you know, whatever. We all have a, some fantasies of that ourselves. But why are they not responsible? They're not responsible. But by the exact same standards that these people use for others, they should apply to themselves that telling people that Barry White should be punched in the face. Barry White lives in New York City. What if she goes out and a march comes by and people recognize her and they've been on Twitter all day and somebody punches her in the face? I mean,
1: Kat Timpf, our good friend, has uh, three times, I think, in Brooklyn been menaced physically because people recognize her Mm -hmm. as a Fox News blonde. So like she had a a bucket of something poured in her head, maybe a beer or something poured in her head too. It's like happened. The
2: Fox news guy was, was, was chased down in front of the white house the other day too, during the protest of the white house. And like, look, I, I support if you, the guy's trying to do a live shot and you want to get in his face and yell, at him. he's at a protest. That's what happens. Come on, buddy. Don't complain about it. But if you're throwing shit out you're menacing him and saying like yelling to everyone, he's Fox news. I mean, I don't watch Fox news, but that will show you in some level of how, the rot has set in of this thing that is a bad source of information to people who, I mean, I don't watch anything that's a bad source of information, but I care less about <laughs> it. But these people saying that, get him. Where does that come from? That comes from year after year after year of this, this constant vilification of Fox News. And yeah. By the way, I support every ounce of that vilification. Do it. That's what we do. That's what commentary is. That's what the Fox people do to them, and that's what they do back to the Fox people. So don't tell me that 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 Fox, the people that say this stuff, are responsible when that guy gets chased down the street, you know, people throwing shoes at him or something like it's an Iraqi press conference. I don't know what happened, but stop it, because you have to do that next time around. Next time around when you say, oh, that person made a suggestion of violence, and then look what happened. Apply it fairly. There's a lot of violence going on right now on both sides.
1: I want to point out, um, before we leave the topic, if we ever do. Um, no, we're not leaving, we, and we shouldn't. Stay right here. Stay right the hell here. I'm building a house on this motherfucker. The uh, <laughs> feels a little wound up. Uh, get a little conspiratorial there, Black Kaczynski. <laughs> what is he? What, what's now? He's you got the chalkboard. The you should get the, the chalkboard and the hair. That combo would yeah. be killer <laughs> at this point. You don't want me to, You don't want me at a chalkboard. I get a chalkboard. It's going to be crazy. Uh, yeah. So the Times, <laughs> New York Times last night had an article on their website because, of course, they did um, with a uh, headline like, you know, op-ed uh, strikes, uh, uh, sparks uh, severe debate, including among Pulitzer winners, et cetera. <laughs> <In> turn, they <laughs> basically wrote about how people in the newsroom were upset that the opinion page published an op-ed by one of 100 sitting senators talking nobody, about...
2: N- by the way, nobody fucking cares.
1: Yeah. Uh, of course nobody cares. No Nobody cares <laughs> at all. Uh, so anyways, but there's a, a quote here that I, I don't want the world to not remember, um, uh, which is um, for this Mark Tracy, the journalist who wrote it. Three times journalists who declined to be identified by name said they had informed their editors that sources told them they would no longer provide them with information because of the op-ed. Hmm. Oh, no. The New York that Times tragic losing its
2: sources because of this. <laughs>
1: can you Probably imagine? First of all, can you imagine that source? Like, what beat is that? I'm on the yeah. beat where people are such idiot assholes. <laughs> that they're not going to ever talk to you again, or that they're even going to pretend like they're not going to talk to you since you already cover the thing that they care about. And you're the New York times. Like they're of course going to talk I to you. I have
2: the goods on the Trump administration, but I'm not going to tell you because you published the Cotton
1: story. <laughs> it's like,
2: come on. But I mean, this is just stupid. The three times journalists who declined to be
1: identified of by course. name. You of fucking cowards. You absolute fucking simpering fuck weasels
2: you were for the you, fucking new york times no but you also know that they would get they'd be celebrated my my favorite was nicole hannah jones saying when she tweeted about it, she said i'll probably get in trouble for this yeah, i'm like no. i'm sorry what now <laughs> <laughs> no you won't you'll get the yeah, you're not you'll be a double <laughs> macarthur fellow at the end of this tweet <laughs> <laughs> but oh, i don't even understand gosh. it it's like as a black woman as a journalist as an american I'm deeply ashamed that we ran this. I don't I just don't I mean, look, I get that that the criticism of anything that I say about this stuff is um, boring and and not terribly bright when they say, "Well, you're of a, you don't get it because you're this identity or you're this age or whatever. So you can't possibly understand this. Stop you, can read that. As, you can read as much as you want, but you can't possibly Stop understand that. it. But I, th- I realized something today. Why this is such a pernicious moment is it's a it's extension of COVID in a way. COVID, what we saw we made fun of, everybody made fun of it, right? Was it everybody became an epidemiologist, right? So everybody's making these huge – we're having social distancing set by people that know nothing, right? So don't go to the beach. You can't be on the beach because you might get this when that guy's over there and you're 20 feet away and the beach swimming in the water. This is a real <laughs> thing that happened. Bill De Blasio said, "I'll pull you out of the water if you go swimming." Or not. He won't mm-hmm. because that would just be hot. But it'd yeah. be like the cops would, right? <laughs> we have that version now with this, and no one's realizing it because guess what? Open up Instagram. If you don't, have, if you have a lot of non-political friends, everybody you know is posting something about this. Everybody they know nothing about this stuff. They've never looked at the data. They've never like looked into any of these cases. They've never like thought about these issues. But it's a righteous thing. Like it's in the same way if I'm near somebody and I'm breathing and they're breathing, we're going to get COVID and I'm going to shame you for not wearing a mask, shame you for being here, shame you for doing all the social distance warrior stuff that we've been making fun of until all this stuff happened. And now I open Instagram as people who have never made a political comment in their life, dingbat friends that I have making these like really aggressive comments, finger wagging about all of you. Who don't do this with your white privilege, or you don't do this with that, and we are literally in a moment where everybody has decided that they are like Skip Gates, you know that all of a sudden they're like an expert on race relations in America because it's so easy. All you have to do is say, "I think this bad," and it is bad. Racism is bad. Police brutality is bad. Yes, but you take it further, and now you say, "Oh, okay." So it's easy, right? Because then I just have the. I have that little box there and when I open the box. It has the phrases and then I just put them on the screen, right? About privilege and, and white supremacy and, and, you know, centering and all these words that never existed or existed in different contexts about 10 years ago are now being spat at you by people who don't know what they're talking about. And it's kind of frustrating because everyone I see is like, are you joking? Like literally I've paid attention to this stuff for a long time. Camille's paid attention eighty thousand times more than any of us combined, and it's kind of crazy. To,
1: <laughs> it's kind of crazy
2: to that all of a sudden everyone is lecturing me on what like and uh, like there is an example. Did I send you this one? Which I think is might be the craziest thing I've ever seen, and it's exactly what happens when people. I have to grab my laptop here. It's exactly what happens. When people get into this and they get the language a little bit, right? They kind of get what they're supposed to say, but they don't really, you know, they're new to the game and they mean well. So basically, here's, here's the one that I love. This is a, um, Instagram story posted by, uh, some fashion person who has a lot of followers. This is what it says. It's, th- this is possibly the most remarkable thing I've ever seen on Instagram. It's trauma in itself, seeing white people wake up to their privilege in systemic racism. What? Wow. It's trauma in itself. So even if you're acknowledging it, that it's traumatic.
0: You can't when stop you, hurting them.
2: You just can't win. Wow. It's, wow. I was like, is that a joke? And it's like, yeah. but it has all the language. <laughs> people <laughs> waking amazing. up to this. It has the trauma. And it's like, but my trauma, is like, what? Did you put that? in one of those old lotto machines that has like the ping pong balls in it and just did that and did that and then it had a sentence at the end of it. Because that's where we are, is that none of this makes any sense. You're not having like dignified arguments with people. And if you have even the slightest, nobody knows what I think about this. I haven't actually said anything about it in specific. Any specific I'm just like denouncing the mobs that are, are acting like assholes to friends of mine. But if you have something that's even slightly off, just slightly off, not exactly like, well, you know, Zai Jelani, Li Fang, you know, some of our other friends on the left who maybe just like, well, I don't know.
1: Uh, they get dragged. And it's pretty aggressive. It's amazing. How
2: did we get to this place?
1: It's amazing to me. And I know that uh, the how do we get to this place is uh, a Camille special and, uh, and he hasn't talked nearly enough. Of, <laughs> I don't,
0: I don't know. I don't know I, or I at least like that.
1: why we need to get the guns uh, to deal with this place <laughs> as the Camille special. But I'll just Take say as the, as the person who um, uh, has by profession had to wave the libertarian flag a little bit more aggressively over time um, is that it is um, particularly funny. It's not even frustrating because it's funny. Like, People coming to me in 2020 and telling me about the evils of qualified immunity. Do tell, sister. Do tell, brother. I want (laughs) to hear more about this. Tell me about how the police unions are bad. And I don't say this as, like, uh, oh, you jackass, you weren't with us on police unions bad in 1973. I actually say this only in the service of, how about not accusing me tonight? Of being happy when Black people are murdered. It's not even mm-hmm. just like, hey, you know, we got an archive. Go look at our criminal. Did someone accuse you of that? Yeah, tonight, Oliver Willis, uh, a uh, someone who I've known, um, and uh, and at various times in the post nine eleven world, you know, gave moderate, <laughs> um, uh, you know, friendly vibes towards in the uh, in the blogosphere type of thing. He's worked for you know the Media Matters type of uh, organizations. Over the years um, uh, <laughs> he wrote it's amazing I used to think that you weren't this dumb um this is in response to my piece today about the New York Times kerfuffle
2: cutting rejoinder
1: um and uh, kind of, uh, uh, and he, and he kept going uh, and he, then saying you know uh, his mistake was thinking thinking you weren't someone who needed to see the killing of blacks celebrated needed unbelievable to see. The killing of black. You know what I do when I wake up in the morning and go, God damn it. I am not going to be happy until I see celebration of the Absolutely. killing of blacks. Imagine that. this is someone who I've been friendly with. I broke bread with. I've been in physical contact with this person, you know, being friendly with is saying this to me, a person and, and a person I, I might add. I'm talking about me now, the third person, because that's what we do, Um, um, who has a. Uh, writing track record that you can e- easily see about criminal justice and about race issues. And you can not come to that conclusion because it would be ridiculous. Um,
2: it's always your friends who in the party who shoot you in the nape of the neck. Uh,
1: and, uh, and I, so I told him, I don't know what the sentence even means, but peace out. Um, and uh, uh, cause that's how I kind of uh, handle such things. And he sees it means from your position of white privilege, you support the amplification of harmful nonsense. Uh, that's nonsense.
2: That's a nonsense sentence. The previous sentence, by the way, you know what you are when you say things like that? You're Glenn Beck. You're Glenn Beck. Jeez. I'm sorry. You're fucking Glenn Beck. I'm I'm so tired of people that aren't on the same side as Glenn Beck getting away with being Glenn Beck. The stuff that people say that is so crazy and so extremist Whether it's like, you know, saying we should burn down police stations, which no, we shouldn't, because that's a bad precedent and is good for nobody. That kind of violence is good for nobody. Right. You say that you say Matt Welch like is is gleeful about dead people, dead minorities. That is Glenn Beck crazy extremism. That is the type of hyperbole that we that that the places that he used to work, I guess, in media matters, he worked there, uh, were set up to combat yeah. that you would hear on the Rush Limbaugh <laughs> exactly. show. Exactly. And you're doing it, buddy, but it's the other side, so it's fun. Unbelievable.
1: But like the uh, but like uh, I think about it, and I don't I don't care. Like I'm I'd, I'd like uh, Camila and I uh, before we started rolling. Um and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn Camille, when I when I mention this because maybe maybe you are but I'll cut it if so necessary. I'm not talking <laughs> about personal. But no, because we, we've talked about this on a, a couple of episodes before. I think that uh, on in some of these um uh, disputes in the current climate, you express a level of kind of anguish and even sort of befuddlement at what you perceive as me being a little bit cavalier, or gleeful about events. Um, uh, and you can correct the the record uh, if I'm wrong. Um, about that but one of the reasons why i don't care um about people accusing me of people who i know and who have like scores of thousands of twitter followers who that now are all up in my grill um i don't care if they accuse me of celebrating when a black person is killed um because it isn't true and so that's fine um also because it's nonsensical and uh uh, because it's suggests to me that we can continue building a better world, a better media ecosystem, just a better own the weird, the weird fucking jungle that we're kind of growing um, uh, a- aside from all of that. I-, I sense nice business opportunities, so it doesn't bum me out as I-, I find it more intellectually interesting as if you woke up in the morning. And instead of wanting to cheer at black bodies being broken in front of you, um, you actually wanted to fix what is wrong with the criminal justice system. What would you Hmm. do if that was really what was animating you? And it animates a lot of people that I know who've been working on this for a Hmm. long time. What would you do? How would you act? How would you treat other people and other institutions and organizations who have also been doing 80 percent or 90 percent or 70 or 42 percent? of what you've been asking for, what would you do and how would you act? And it's intellectually interesting to me that the the allure of always wanting to herd people in a group that is either deplorable or virtuous is so strong, so continuous, so everything in American politics right now that Mm. people derive much more personal Satisfaction from that, even in the face of discussing people who they goddamn know aren't like how they are describing. They know it. They absolutely know it in their bones. They know this, but it's more pleasurable to them to do that. The power, the magnet is stronger to do that, even against the personal knowledge, than it is to think pragmatically what would I do to fix this system? Where are the coalitions? Who are the people that I can try to persuade? And etc. It's remarkable to
2: me. Uh, Camille, you're the voice Yo. we need to hear of this. But not anybody, I just want to say the quick update is that I got a message from his friend that said, "I hope you're okay over there." And apparently, there's some stuff, stuff going around um, in Williamsburg. Oh, and I just did a little look, and the the funniest thing is it's past curfew, and oh, I boy. just saw um, the video. This is the moment the police attack, attack and, and stream after us and run and you know beating and whatever. I didn't see that, but the video was, from what I could tell and I can send you it, was a, was literally 300 like white hipster kids, no joke, like fixie bike hipster kids being rushed by almost entirely black cops. I I mean, it's just that you can't make this stuff up. It's just, I mean, it it reminds me of the apocryphal story of the sixty eight convention of these rich kids, you know, like, like from Chicago. Of course, Bill Ayers, father was the head of like the Chicago, um, power and light company or something. And, uh, the apocryphal story of the kid, the hippie kid in 1968, falling to his knees in front of the Chicago police officer and saying, long live the working class. And, uh, the cop who says, I am the working class (laughs) and then cracks the baton. (laughs) There's something about that here of like these, these, these rich, rich, uh, like white uh, uh, hipster kids uh, being being chased up up uh, the the bridge by a bunch of um, it looked to me almost exclusively minority cops. It's kind of funny. Anyway, Camille, get, get, give me give me the you got to have some rage about this. You calm tonight?
0: Which, calm. which part? Everything? Because I have so much. I have so much rage. Well, first, Are we I, I do at an say, inflection point? Are we at some weird moment? Well, I, I will say that as I as I mentioned earlier, I really do have a very odd sense there does seem to be something quite sinister in the air there does seem to be something in a number of organizations and newsrooms where there is this this like willingness to purge anyone who does not have precisely the right ideas to at least isolate them um to at least make them feel particularly uncomfortable to host regular meetings where you're asking folks about you know, your ability to to center Black voices in conversations, to prioritize them, which it, I should I should say explicitly, and I think it is fair to say, that this this kind of racial essentialism, the notion that certain people have the capacity for empathy with other people who kind of sort of look like them, but if you don't, then you don't also have that capacity for empathy, that everyone who kind of looks alike um, or to say it, put it another way, everyone of the same race with a huge asterisk beside it, because what is that? Uh, that all of those people have some sort of shared sense of history and some shared experience in the world, which this would be cute if it were true, but it is obviously not true. Our experiences are subjective, and as such, they are individual. And generally speaking, and we mentioned this on the last release, to the extent you have this notion of blackness, you can have as many people as possible you know 60 million black people all of them are black in their own individual way which renders the concept virtually meaningless the, the the fact is that once you do that all you're left with is this weird sort of nest and patchwork of interconnected and overlapping like averages like weird things you know what is the average group propensity Towards this, or what's the average height, or what's the average weight, or what's the average income? But when you break it down further, you find that the Caribbean Americans, the, the African Americans, like literal Africans, say from Nigeria or something that those people have differences that when you break it down a slightly different way, the number of books read per per night to your children or something like that, oh, the, the up, two Biden. parent household, for example, like they have different outcomes. There are a hundred thousand different ways to parse things. And the notion that you could actually say that there is a ubiquitous universal black experience. And that is enough for you to start to say other ridiculous things. Like there is a black privilege or a white privilege that it is just there Uh, an inherent sort of black disadvantage. But once you take those things and you make them part of your institution's policies, like it is part of your practice for determining who gets what role or how many people you need to have of a particular hue in order to say, ah, we're meeting our quotas, our thresholds. Once you do that, it is functionally racist. At best, assertions about privilege, and the essential nature of the Black experience, these are religious claims. Like, that's fine if you believe it. But more likely, they're obviously not true because there are all of these deviations from that ridiculous theory. Like, these aren't absolute principles. And we certainly can't build or rebuild a society on them. And to the extent that's what's driving our conversation about criminal justice reform, and oftentimes it really does feel like that's the case. I don't understand why our conversation about criminal justice reform has to emanate from disparities. I don't get it because if all you have are the disparities in police shootings, for example, you could have fewer shootings overall and maybe those disparities will go down or you could have fewer black people get shot and that disparity would go down. Um, or you could have more white people get shot and that disparity would go down why is the disparity the thing and not the total number of lives saved does it matter less if like one additional white kid gets killed versus one additional black kid does it matter less that doesn't seem right to me i don't think the morals i don't think the morals of that are something that any serious person actually endorses but well, that we- is the implicit assumption that is the value that's the calculus that's being offered by people who are, who are particularly and uniquely interested in the disparities. And it's not that I'm not bothered by police shootings. I'm generally bothered by it. I think it's awful. I think the framing of the conversation around those things has generally been bad. And I think that we tend to exaggerate the degree to which this is a specifically racial problem. And I think it's utterly absurd in some respects that with police-involved shootings in particular – a situation where we actually have not great knowledge, but a lot of knowledge about like cop, civilian deaths. It's kind of insane the degree to which we ignored certain stories and amplified others and created in our imagination, at least an epidemic of violence, a crusade of violence against black people that has animated all of this passion. It seems like a mass panic. Like, I don't know how else to describe it.
2: I think one of the things, I mean, a couple of things about that is, is number That was long. Dis- dis- I don't know if nobody, that made any sense. The disparity, the disparity thing, obviously, that, that the counter argument to that is that the disparity I- exists and is so great because, uh, police forces are either consciously or subconsciously motivated by anti-Black racism to put themselves into situations in which people, Black people get killed more than white people. And that is something that can be, you know, addressed by various sort of methods of teaching or various methods of policy. I don't know. But that's, I mean, obviously that is why I think people think disparities are, you know, a big deal. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing to, to your, to your point actually, which is a bit far afield from what we're saying, but, but your point about, um, the picking people based on their race for, you know, uh, you know, having enough people quotas, et cetera. I don't, I'm not opposed to that in the way that people might think I would be. But what, what I'm opposed to and what I see in, in life quite frequently is people in particularly sort of guilt-ridden white people or people who are trying to navigate these worlds and say, look at how good I am. I've hired a bunch of people that aren't white or, you know, I have this amount of diversity in my, in my company is that I get a little tired of people hiring people with slightly different hues in their skin tone who went to Harvard and Princeton. Because you know what I guarantee you? I guarantee you the most interesting people that I would ever want to put on camera in my business live in Brownsville and live in East New York and live in Bed-Stuy and didn't go to great schools. I would go into that neighborhood and I would say, what are those neighborhoods, any of them? The Bronx would be like, who's the funniest motherfucker in this neighborhood? And they'd be like, oh, that's that guy. And like, yeah, that guy doesn't get a shot like I do or like somebody else does. You know? And that's black people and white people that I know that get, you know, that, that get good degrees and they get, uh, to go to the front of the line in a lot of ways. I mean, so many places I've worked just are a feeder system for Columbia Journalism School. You get in there and you basically have a job in New York Media. But those people who don't get that, I think that's pretty great. Go there. Like, I don't, I think it's more of a class thing than anything, but I do believe it's kind of funny. That everybody is of a different hue, and they all went to Harvard. And they all went to Yale. And they all went to Princeton. I'm like okay. it's called diversity. It's I, called I'm diversity. glad that why you that? have a bunch of people that that, that went to the same schools. So I find that in, incredibly frustrating because I know you touched upon that for for a little bit, and you know I've banged this drum a little bit in the past because I like I don't. You can call it racial. You can call it non-racial. Um, why one would would choose a certain candidate is that I just do I I know for a fact that people from different areas in the city bring different perspectives and are interested in different things. You know, if I want to know, you know, like like mixtape culture, I'm not going to fucking <laughs> Greenpoint, you know? I mean it's obvious and that breaks down on racial lines sometimes. But I just think that the overall issue and the final point is that the the conversation is so broken and it's not broken because there aren't answers. I don't know if there are, but I'm not saying there aren't. It's broken in the sense that it's been hijacked by people who will who have realized that they can almost terrorize you for not having the right opinion and being on the right side of an issue and, and keeping you quiet. I've never experienced, people can say that, oh, you're just being a wham, but I'm not even talking about me. I've had never had more people in my life tell me privately more never left right and center that it's best not to talk about it i don't like living in a society where it's best not to talk about an issue that is convulsing the country and the city that i'm in right now and you know that that's it's best not to talk about it really
1: i want to uh follow up on that point i have my own uh, things about why i talk about racial disparities that Camila and i have been talking about in public for eight or nine years now um, it, it, would, it, might, it, would, it would be nice if you stated a little bit of it here for the, for the people. Just quickly because I wanted you know. to build in uh, off of what Michael just said because I think it's relevant and, yeah. and we referenced it earlier. But my basic uh, approach has been to say that the racial disparities angle is a window into disproportionate uh, wielding of power against people who disproportionately have less of it. Right. So that might it, be. What's that? Might be. Uh, no, no. I mean, it's it, that, that's that's it, it. Yes, it might. It might be a window. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. like it, it, cops have a lot of power. Police have a lot of power. Um, prosecutors have a lot of power in this country. I think they have too much. I think there's too many laws, uh, particularly they're not only on the federal level. Way too many people in jail. OK, so uh, what are going to be the canaries in the coal mine? And also, some of this is colored, as I've mentioned before. Is I, where I grew up, I was very uh, uh, strongly aware and shaped by uh, the racism of local cops, some of whom I knew personally, and also the murder of Ron Settles, a, uh, a black man football player from Long Beach State, in the um, uh, prison at Signal Hill. Um, we were talking about there might be blood, which I think is uh, based out of there uh, before we started uh, taping. Um, there, there will, there be, will be blood. blood whatever. Uh, I need to see it here. It's good. Uh, it's less I'm impactful. As <laughs> You're the one who got might 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 in my head. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, that happened when I was like 12 or 13 where I, a guy was like, obviously pulled over and then, uh, beaten to bloody hell. Uh, and then mm-hmm. they staged his hanging, um, super crudely. Uh, and yeah, then yeah. after it was, uh, uh, I mean, it's just, it was obvious that it was all fraudulent and, um, but they weren't rung up on charges or they were cleared of the charges. I forget the details. You can look it up. Ron settles is his name. Um, Then the cops sued the surviving victims, parents for like defamation or for accusing them of being murderers. Like this, all that colors my vision strongly. And that's, and that's a world that happened in 1981 and 82 and 83 um, and that's not the world that Camille grew up in. And so part of that uh, is reflected in that. And, and also Southern California is just different um, than wherever the kind of fucking factory that <laughs> produced uh, Camille. So my, my mom, the, <laughs> <factory>? <laughs> the mom factory <laughs> just kind of did. Uh, but uh, uh, so all of that has been a, a backdrop to be me being more uh, open or interested in talking about disparities. You can feel a butt coming on. Um. Yeah. Um. The butt that has come on is that I've come to be more persuaded. Um. And all you have to do is look around you, experience this week as it has taken place, and the way that people have talked to one another. That. Um. And we. And this is all very much a post-Ferguson phenomenon. And again, you know, when we did the Independence Television show, um, mm-hmm. Ferguson was like the biggest event in many ways of that whole thing. It happened right in the middle of our run, and um, and it made. Uh, it was an interesting moment. People were, uh, becoming introduced to the concepts of militarization of police of a whole bunch of different things that libertarians and civil libertarians and police reformers have been talking about for decades. Suddenly were on the lips of a lot of people. And there was a initial hope like, Hey, maybe we can get some people to agree who don't normally agree. And in fact, some of that hope has carried on. I mean, uh, uh, for a long time the two groups who were doing the most in, in criminal justice reform were conservative Christians specifically what's his face who was a Nixon criminal uh, Chuck mm-hmm. Colson who had his pri- Colson, yeah. prison ministries and That's you know right. and like you know serial cop suing douchebag liberal attorneys like Stephen Yagman in, in, uh, in Los Angeles um, uh, they were the ones who were like doing this work and then slowly and surely you know um, yeah, the the Kochs and George Soros started agreeing. And like the Soros people started like uh, bouncing out bad prosecutors. And we got the first step back and Kim Kardashian came in on a, on a, on a white unicorn and, you know, like weird things. Kanye, Kanye was there too. Kanye was yeah, there they're too. They're having some, yeah, some marital
0: drama apparently, according oh, to no. the
1: reports. Please stay together. Yeah, to For the together. sake of we need you. American freedom. So uh, all, mm-hmm. all of that is to say that like uh, some of the post-Ferguson work, including of the Black Lives Matter, like, was the Campaign Zero I, I, I think mm-hmm. that they've done a lot of good work. And like, if you want, they have done a lot, if of you good want work. to go it's a true story. and, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people who want to, I mean, I've seen videos, a couple of like super aggro dudes who, uh, who got really mad that people were saying black lives matter, um, because they saw, saw it, it you know, as, as like an aggressively anti-cop thing. And I get that. And I understand why people say that. But, uh, for those who thinks that it's just, you know, this, this like bullying sloganeering, um, to try to wrong foot people and, you know, and and tell Bernie Sanders in 2015 that he's bad. But Hillary Clinton's good just based on the way that they answer the question, do black lives matter, which is an insane moment. Um, those people go look at Campaign Zero because it's a group that came out of all of that that has pushed for reforms. And some of those reforms have happened. So all of that is there. But we, I think, are in a crazy moment with race uh, in this country when we talk about stuff. And I'm being more persuaded uh, of the Camille point of view, not exactly in the same way. Cause I'll never declare, uh, defeat. Um, um, and
0: cause you, you, you love your whiteness and you would revel in it forever.
1: Is that what it is? Um, but also <laughs> yes. part of the reason why I'm, I'm, uh, getting more to that point of view. Um, it comes out of my allergy to, for lack of a better word, a soft Stalinism or Maoism. Um, Mm. And this kind of yeah. ties together everything we've talked about today. The thing that really shocked me was like a, a game changer in my in my brain, and I think Barry even sort of like referenced this in her sh- short tweet thread. And I and I mentioned this in my piece at Reason today that proved that I was a racist who likes black people to die. Um, was Moynihan going to Evergreen State and and uh, and filming the people uh, who were sort of making these forced hostage note confessions that they didn't believe. And then suddenly they do believe it's just crazy. Like I didn't, I, I saw show trials. I've seen them from the fifties in central Europe. They're bad, bad, bad. You don't like, and you always imagine like, how could people do that? How could people confess their own guilt and whatever? And so this gets back to what Michael was talking about earlier with Zach Beauchamp from Vox. He says, and I'm going to read this specific thing because it helps. I'm sorry. It's a tweet he comes up with. I think this morning, the cycle is so fast and crazy that it started at 1133 a.m. this morning. I'm sorry, but abolish the police seems like a poorly thought out idea that's gotten popular with shocking speed. Okay, that's a pretty normal conclusion, actually. Most people, yeah. I, I I dare say, most people in this country, even like super radical weirdo anarchists like Camille Foster, are not leading out there with, you know what? You know what's going to persuade People to make the kind of change that I want is by saying abolish the police. That's by the way, a quick, a quick interjection just to point out that I don't know where this concept
2: comes from that people in like crime addled neighborhoods want you <laughs> want the police gone. They don't, yeah. they I don't, don't think
0: that's true. They, they don't. don't think that's necessary.
2: I think there's a significant amount of data to suggest that that's not true is that they, they, they do- don't like the violence either. And it's a minority of people that that do that. And you see, they don't, they don't like that at all.
0: It's just, outrageous. but there have been some situations where police departments are so fundamentally corrupt.
2: Just still exist today. Just
0: yes. through. I mean, a lot of federal, essentially uh, you take the step of like firing everyone uh-huh, uh-huh. and starting from sure, scratch, 100%. which is, which is very different than saying we don't need any police whatsoever. Right. And you know, my radical insane libertarian politics are such that I would be fine with some sort of corporation that was responsible for policing in my neighborhood, which you subscribe to voluntarily, or, you know, I got my AR 15 and I'm not too worried about y'all because the- if you come around here playing games, you're going to get it.
1: Johnny got <laughs> Johnny Pinkerton we on the job. Y'all. So we'll do it.
0: We're going to do that to y'all on oh, my mama.
2: <laughs> but to, Matt, to Matt's point too, is that one of the things thats that I'm concerned about uh, mine's very similar. The Maoism, thing is it's funny that matt mentioned earlier i don't know if we were recording or maybe talking before that uh the uh the great jay rosen uh on twitter was uh sarcastic uh was uh, having some conversation with historians of fascism tonight because i don't know we're always on the precipice of fascism and it's well, always feels, mis- feels mis- a
0: little mis- more real now
2: well it's i mean it's usually misapplied <laughs> because you yes. know fa- fascist fascists wouldn't allow marches like this to happen. As I said to a friend of mine today, we were watching the march go back, who's Irish, um, guy, this guy, is Irish guy. I said, to, I said to him, I was like, you know, because there, there, someone was was barking about this. And I, I said, you know, the very existence of this march is is the refutation of what this person's saying about living in a police state. Because if we were living in a police state, this march wouldn't happen. And they'd just be being beaten, like that, like happened in Tiananmen Square, they'd be gunned down. You know, it doesn't mean that there's only one way of there being a sort of soft authoritarianism. But I think that you would get an eye roll if you said what we're experiencing now is actually the triumph of a kind of, you know, soft Maoism uh, on the other on the other side. Because because it is true of that people who work at corporations, people who work at media companies who are in their twenties, feel totally comfortable denouncing their editors. The, the dynastia teachers, as they did in, in the Cultural Revolution, and the teachers would have placards on and wear these rather large, coiled, like, dunce caps that kind of were so big that they hung over. And it feels very similar to that, that, that I would never say the things that young people say to their, well, that's a good thing. Well, kind of, in some ways it is. In other ways, that I think that there's one issue that you're allowed to talk about in that way. And the, the other thing that I'll say, just to, to Matt's point, is that, and I know Camille and I have had this conversation is a complete. I don't believe that this is an honest conversation, primarily because I don't hear debates about the numbers of people who are actually being shot by the police who are unarmed and blah blah blah. That's right. We don't talk yeah. about it. So I want to know that in the way same way that I want to know COVID numbers. When we're talking about COVID, right? It's not. I'm not trying to prove a conspiracy, but the other number that I think should be should be talked about and people don't know this or numbers is it's. It's getting better. And, mm-hmm. and this nobody wants to acknowledge this because they're taking to the streets. And if it's an honest movement, they would say, yeah, it's getting better. Mm-hmm. But it can get even, even better than this. That's fine. I totally understand that. If your goal is zero innocent people being shot, you have the right goal. That's the correct Absolutely. goal. It's a hard one to achieve, but it's the correct goal. And But, but to not acknowledge that the numbers – I mean, when you and I, Camille, first started talking about this, the first database numbers, I think in 2017 – I remember it was, mm-hmm. it was 100, almost 100 even people, unarmed people shot. 36 of them were black. And that number now is down to nine of the people who were shot were black. And I think the total right. number is down too. It's gone down every year. And I guarantee you they didn't even keep numbers in the time of 1993, the highest peak of New York uh, City murders in the 2000 range. What those numbers were probably crazy. Because Mm -hmm. technology has made things better, too. Body cameras have made things better, too. Your cell phone cameras made things better, too. You know, this has changed. And I never hear anyone, like, allergic to or afraid of talking about good news because it will subsume the bad news. And the bad news is what gets people out to protest.
1: Let me uh, read to you the lead sentence, lead paragraph in the lead article of the New York Times on Friday is pursuant to all of this. And I'll bracket that um, that the uh, argument now I'm seeing more online about Tom Cotton's op-ed uh, is that, oh it, it wasn't fact checked enough. It contained inaccuracies. It wasn't precise. Um, this is not what the original uh, at all. We always, we always say this, the Muhammad cartoons were bad. Remember, they're a shitty cartoon.. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the, the same principle. So the people who really care about being factual and getting editors in there, And being precise with your language, thought that this was a pretty good lead paragraph and the lead story of the paper of record, all the news that fits to print. Uh, Here we go. They are parallel plagues ravaging America, the coronavirus, and police killings of black men and women. Parallel plagues. Yeah. Parallel plagues ravaging America. That's yeah. that's not what a plague is. It's not what a plague is, and that 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 kind of language, soft language, is thrown around with absolute impunity. As is mm-hmm. the uh, racism of someone who is involved in a controversial comment, whatever that is. It's amazing. I was watching Aaron Burnett um, uh, on CNN a night or two ago talking about the news of the kind of increase of charges against the uh, Minneapolis police officers. Grant, this is cable news. And so everyone's a lot more opinionated than um, what the New York times was supposed to have been a long time ago. But um, she's talking to a guest and she goes, okay, so that's good news that they've increased the charges, you know, against these cops and added new ones and made it more like that's good news comma as an opening bid. And it's like, There are universes in which that's actually bad news from the perspective of someone who wants justice. That can be bad news. A high profile shooting in which uh, huge amounts of demonstrations are, uh, our demonstrators are applying political pressure on prosecutors who then, uh, you know, crank up charges can lead to a situation. And we have seen this with police violence in cases that we can name and have talked about. Um, can lead to situations where they overcharge someone and he gets off and then people feel pretty shitty <laughs> 18 months from now. So it's not necessarily good news, but like that stuff is around you all over the news pages, let alone the op-ed page of the New York Times. Um, I want to close one loop about uh, Zach Beauchamp because it gets to the Maoism stuff that freaks me out. So I mentioned earlier that he wrote this absolutely normal observation. About like, yeah, maybe abolish the cop isn't such a great idea. 95 minutes later. Happened happened today. Listen to this. Talked to a number of people I respect about the framing of the original tweet. And I do feel like it was a mistake. (laughs) It was far too dismissive. And then I, ironically, complained about condescending replies. We all send bad tweets sometimes. This was one of mine um really yeah and there's a whole
2: really that's the bad tweet that's the bad tweet this why do i tell people to read darkness at noon (laughs) this is why because it is Rubishov telling it confessing to a crime that he knows he didn't quit commit before Mm. being shot because uh, because it's for the good of the party Mm. this is what people do in moments like this it is incredible it's the purge trials i mean everybody in the purge trial Acknowledge their guilt that wasn't true. To the end, they maintained their guilt, yes. and it's like change, Like I'm sorry. Let me shamefaced come up to the microphone with my placard around my neck and my head hung low and kind of mumble in the microphone that I've aired and I've, um, you know, had some counter revolutionary thoughts. It's like what he said before is not crazy, and it's also what you why, when you're correcting that you're saying this. I'm going to go from saying something that so many Americans think when they see this stuff on TV and they see those signs to something that no Americans think in the matter of four or five hours because I was told 95 minutes,
1: literally 95 minutes. While there's a bunch of other kind of uh, submerged public sub-tweeting from Matthew Iglesias and other people. Iglesias who actually made the point of like, I was too dismissive three years ago about how campus political correctness would spread into the body politic and that's all i'm going to say right now because we're having a lot of internal discussions in fox <laughs> seriously that, really? that happened de- today yeah yeah and uh, and then delete that tweet i'm sure
0: he deleted that tweet right yeah yeah it's i gone. think he deleted Memor-
1: all of his tweets
0: oh did he well he, yeah. de- he definitely deleted that you tweet. know who Memory else deleted hold.
1: all his tweets is chris novoselic who we mentioned uh recently a uh, person who i'm uh, mm. friendly with um yes uh, because he had uh the temerity of reacting to donald trump's um, speech, uh, the Lafayette Square mm-hmm. speech that they cleared out the square in order to. Or actually, this is the the speeches from the Rose Garden, um, and then afterwards he did this photo op with a Bible that was just awful. Um, and they mm-hmm. yeah, had uh, cleared out the square, um, in a really bad way,
0: and Novacelich quite a bit of controversy about that as well. Yeah, uh,
1: Novoselic um, uh, wrote on his Facebook page, "Wow, I know many of you can't stand him. However, Trump knocked it out of the park." With his speech and like, Hmm. what, Uh, what is he talking about? Um, And he goes on to say things like, um, you know, Trump should not be sending troops into the states and he legally might not be able to anyway. The basic point that he was making uh, was that uh, people around the country um, are receptive to the message when they see looting going on in the cities and the kind of mayhem. um, This is the kind of stuff that they react to. And I disagree with him entirely about the knocked out of the park. That was a terrible speech. I think Trump is terrible. His reaction, to all this stuff has been 98% terrible. Um, but it's an opinion that he had about a speech. And most of it was couched in the, hey, look, um, this is going to um, resonate with people uh, in a way, right? Um, absolutely dragged. He has deleted all of his, uh, I think, Twitter account, maybe Facebook account as well. People are like, you know, Axel Rose is actually great. And Chris Novoselic is bad. Um, people who listen to the show, yeah, I've seen, yeah. I've seen absolutely douche the guy. And I, I, I go in and read the entire thing. It's just, it was, uh, framed, especially by the consequence of sound, uh, which made a big deal out of it. And it's just like, Oh, this, you know, the Trumpy, uh, a hole. And of course the, uh, the total proof of that is that he voted for Gary Johnson in 2016. So that just proves it all. How could you, um, but it's people are ultimately, uh, uh, dragging someone who is not, Uh, normally associated with political commentary um because he made a uh judgment that had more to do with political reaction than his own uh, enthusiasm pointing out that americans right now are kind of freaked out and when they see cities being looted they want to hear about strongly it like it, it actually polls well get the military into the cities it polls well i disagree it does with it um Uh, I disagree with all of the Tom Cotton op-ed and the Insurrection Act. Just rip it up. It's all bad. I don't want any of it. But like, live in a world where you you acknowledge that you share some space with people who have different points of view, and maybe um, you could have a discussion with them. Or if uh, you don't like it, you can try to um, drum them out entirely of the conversation. Then somehow it'll magically go away. Um, it's, uh, it, it's insane to me that, that reflex and it's all around us. you see constantly, like try to watch, uh, like you know, like now after the, uh, the evening news is, that are on at six 30, they have like the entertainment fluff at seven on the networks. Um, just as if I'm my dinner cooking gets a little out of hand lasts a little bit too long. Um, I might have these on, especially because I'm watching the local TV news. Um, the entertainment fluff channels are all about you know, star of some stupid TV show you've never heard of before, uh, had the temerity to post on her Instagram that black lives mattered. But then her black co-star said that she didn't like the language that she used and that she was co-opting this and that and the other. And before you know it, she's lost all of her endorsements that happened tonight. I'm like watching this. It's insane people. It is insane in itself. Wait, who lost her? I don't don't even know. None of these people were recognizable to me, but it was the lead story on like, uh, (laughs) entertainment tonight or, you know, uh, CBS Celebrity Orgasm or whatever they have on at seven o'clock.
2: <laughs> Love that show.
1: My eleven-year-old <laughs> daughter was like, uh, "What?" Uh, uh, Moynihan has uh, has Olivia gone totally into Charlie D'Amelio yet? No. Oh god. Maybe it's coming. Yeah, she's like a a TikTok uh, gal oh, who god. makes all the money oh, and god. stuff. God. Apparently, she did like a, a a Black Lives Matter uh, TikTok because they all were doing it this week. Um, but then she like showed a black power fist, and people like you can't just you with your privilege. And then like it became a whole thing that she had to undo. Like, but,
2: but you know this weird thing that I that you've probably all heard this language um, is that um, it's become very popular amongst people who, and I've seen a couple examples of recently people that I know things on Instagram. One was a communication between two people who were friends, by the way, woman black, other women white. Their kids are friends, and said, both examples to people who don't know each other, said, don't ask me, I'm not your, like, what is the phrase? You see this everywhere. Like, I, you know, I'm not here to teach you how to be blah, blah, blah. I'm not here to be your this, that, and the other. And I can't remember the exact phrasing of it, but you see it increasingly, is that it's a really tough situation to be in. It's like, you're not a good ally. Don't ask me how to be an ally. I'm not telling you. It's like all this, like, really weirdly hostile stuff that, People are trying to navigate this stuff and people are trying to do the right thing. And I, I and I roll my eyes at a lot of these people and their signs that make no sense and who ha- could care less. You know, France is a funny thing. The Irish person I was with tonight told me that Ireland was protesting this. And it's like, guys, you got some mm-hmm. stuff to protest at home, OK? And, you know, <laughs> as somebody pointed out, in Paris, there was a slaughter at a Jewish school. I believe in Toulouse, I can't remember, but but like brutal and videotaped in Facebook Live. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody came out in the streets for that, nobody. But they're out there now to, you know, for, to do this in France. Everybody's an opportunist in a way. And the French see, see an opportunity to protest American racism and they'll take it. And you get a day off of work because, well, actually it's the summer, so they're not working for another eight months anyway. But it is it is a very funny thing to watch all this in the motives for everybody and people trying to figure it out. And like, I, I had a woman say to me the other day in the street, Livia was out walking the dog and I was with her. And the dog started sniffing off another dog. And the woman said to me like, oh, you know, it's crazy time. I'm like, yeah, yeah, crazy time. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm a Buddhist. So I'm like, oh, okay, you're a Buddhist. Like, you know, ginger lady. And then she said, you know, it's really hard right now, like as white people, And then I I thought she was going to be like, it's hard to be a white person, but she was like, it's hard because we have done everything wrong. Yeah. And I met her three minutes before (laughs) maybe less. And I was like, how is this happening? Is it people are confessing (laughs) their race? It's kind of like the interstitial stuff in 1984. You know, Winston Smith is talking to somebody that you don't know is, is, is good or not. And you just talk in the language of the state to make sure that, 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 you know, you'll kind of, you'll kind of sniff them out later to see if they're on your just side. Just confess your crimes. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. yeah, you don't want to do that right now. I mean, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, what? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was trying to buy a house. <laughs> True story. I was trying to buy a house and like, I, I lost it today. I lost in the bidding because I'm, I'm not rich and other people are richer <laughs> than me. So I, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. Sorry. It was the lowest cost house in 98, uh, zip code. So I was very upset. But the person who owned the house, I talked to on the phone, which is rare because they had to let me into the house because I was going um, to see it. Loveliest person i ever talked to on the phone. But the person was also a very politically active person who immediately, um, out of the gate, was having the same conversation about you know whiteness and white And I remembered after this, and again, I, I want to be clear, the guy was like really, despite the fact he didn't take my offer, was a really, really great guy, and I really enjoyed con- talking to him. Different uh, opinions than me, but a lovely guy. And I realized that there was a point, and you could probably go back and find this, that it was widely mocked, either on late shows or on kind of early internet, that Harvard had a class and a journal on whiteness. It was an early iteration of it. That was, mm-hmm. that, that was where it started. It was, I, I'm fairly certain to say, or the biggest program at one point was, in the early days, was at Harvard. And it was mocked by everybody. They're like, white are you joking right and they'd, it was like punchlines about it and um it's 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 been totally mainstreamed in a very very short period of
1: time. uh for an example of that i was I'm impressed by it in a way i was uh forwarded just as a from our local public school as you do um a story from teen vogue uh, uk um yeah. Uh, called uh, If You Are White and Anti Racist, This Non Optical Allyship Guide is Required. Reading. Um, a what? <laughs> this Dude, I just want to learn how
2: to put some fucking makeup on.
1: Non <laughs> Optical Allyship Guide. Yeah. Is required. What about?
2: Is it, do, you have a what guide, do you have a guide to buying sexy shoes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What does that it's, mean? Well, first
1: of all, Camille, you have to understand what optical allyship is.
0: Well, that's what I'm talking about.
1: Well, al- that's optical is allyship that only serves at the surface level to platform the ally. Right. It makes a statement, but doesn't oh. go beneath the surface and is not oh. aimed at breaking away from the systems of power that oppress.
0: This mm. this is literally called. This is game. how teenagers talk.
1: Like teenagers no.
0: talk this way. Yeah, All
1: no. of them. Every single one of them.
2: <laughs> Camille, do you understand what Teen Vogue is? It's a bunch of woke adult people writing things with teen in the title and no teens read it. It's just like, oh, look at how good they are. They're talking to teens this way. Like Teens aren't like, are you kidding me? They're like watching TikTok videos and like eating ecstasy tablets. I mean, come on.
0: A second ago, we were just talking about the White House. And and it would be an error for us, I think, to to not get into this a bit more because we've spent a a substantial amount of time talking about, you know, the general situation in the country, which is – it, the state of the union is bizarre, I think is fair to say. Um, but there was a moment where the president, as you mentioned, Matt, gave this speech and it was a very muscular speech. He shook a Bible at the end of it in front of a church and pissed some people off um, and pledged to bring, you know, law and order back. And he, there was that recorded phone conference with governors where he was reaming them for not being sort of sufficiently tough and, Calling the National Guard, you can't take care. Of it. I'm going to take care. Of it. I'm the we're the laughing stock. You people are the laughing stock. Fix this. Not clear what he's done so far, but the the this talk of military deployments is something that has certainly animated concerns amongst lots of people, lots and lots of people, many many progressives. Obviously, the folks of the New York Times, many libertarian folks that I know, and myself, of course. Um, but I wonder how concerned you gentlemen are because we haven't spent nearly as much time talking about that as we have these other sort of cultural things. And it's mm-hmm. also not obvious how committed the president is to that particular course. And there have been some interesting things this week. I mean, Mattis coming out and publicly saying that the president, he, he deems the president Mattis who used to work for the White House. his This is Trump's general and he loves his generals. This mad dog Mattis says that he, he deems the president a, a threat to the Constitution. The, the Secretary of Defense who comes on and says, hey, you know what? I feel like I was a bit bamboozled. Uh, no, I do not agree that the president ought to deploy troops in the borders of the United States to bring order back to these various cities. Um, these are extraordinary developments in an already bizarre and extraordinary time Did we nearly come close to something that seems to have sort of backed off? Was Trump blustering? Is this something that we should be uniquely concerned about? Are you gentlemen uniquely concerned about it? Because I find myself, I'm concerned, but it really is hard to just lock on to that issue. And for whatever reason, my concern is probably a bit more animated by the bizarre cultural shift that I see happening in all these institutions and people I'm talking to who work in some of these institutions who are deeply concerned about whether or not they'll actually be able to to ride it out because they have the temerity to be heterodox, which at this point just means to not believe that their non-blackness or their whiteness or whatever is insufficient to sort of safeguard them and and put them high enough in the pecking order. That ideological struggle has, in my mind, I I think is probably more – front and center in my mind than the prospect of the military par- patrolling the streets of the United States in order to reclaim order and perhaps face down protesters in the street with guns. I'm more I, wor- I worried about the, with
1: the guys, yeah. the guys, guys, the <laughs> guns. Um, yeah, I, it, I start, I start backwards from power. Who has it?
0: But we haven't talked about that much today. Um, what, what do you think that is?
1: Uh, I mean, just because the world around us and the universe that we inhabit, uh, has I mean, if we had talked on the day of the Lafayette Square incident, that's mm-hmm. all we would be talking about. Yeah, which is just because it's all so fast. Which it's was crazy, grotesque. It was an absolutely yeah. grotesque. Act if if Donald Trump's uh, life in public, even before politics, if his the way that he ran for president, saying that you know a uh, an American judge can't judge accurately because of his heritage. Um, If all of the things that he did and said and promised to do and some of the things that he actually did and the uh, completely vulgar ways, boorish ways that he has acted and tried to make the cabinet his and the organs of government and law enforcement, his own kind of fiefdom and play toy and just kind of the personal workaday corruption of having, a fucking Trump hotel across the street from the white house, which like doesn't even, doesn't even raise an eyebrow anymore. Cause we've got other stuff to, if none of that moved you, a guy using the military to clear out a space for a fucking photo op at a church that hates his guts, uh, so that he could wave, uh, a, a Bible around looking as if he might have touched a thing called a book once or twice in his life. And I think it's shaped this way. That's strange. Um, the, the, the grotesquerie of that, of having cops and people pulled in from all over the, the border patrols pulled in like people like fat schlubs in like green shirts that had like Dallas insignia were just like, who do you work for? I don't know. I'm just, I'm here. We're pulled in. They had military helicopters flying very, very low to the ground. Those are big things that, re- that really whips up a bunch of crap in your face. It's, it's, it sucks. Uh, to do all of that um, in the name of protecting law and order, uh, when you are dispersing people using violence, um, who are those people who are not looting? This is not the center of the looters. We've seen this uh, play out uh, over and over again. Most of the demonstrations have been peaceful, and then at the tail end, there's these asshole like black bloc or boogaloo people who go on absolute. Uh, and uh, usually very organized, but not always, uh, looting rampages, Um, they are connected, but they're basically different events. One has the cops and the other one generally has not. But to use all of this, I'm going to do law and order by breaking up First Amendment uh, protesters. If that doesn't dissuade you that this person maybe wasn't a good idea to be the president, I just don't know uh, what to talk to you about, um, about, about modern American politics. It was terrible. So I am, uh, to get to your question. Am I worried about it? Yeah. I mean, the, the piece that, uh, I found not entirely convincing, but but at least something to think about was in the bulwark a couple of days ago by, uh, Jonathan last, um, uh, the headline was, this is how Kent state happened. And he said this, uh, this is June 3rd. So it's uh, you know, it's already 5,000 years ago. Um, but he was talking about how the then Ohio governor a couple of days before Kent State uh, was out portraying um, these terrible, vicious, terroristic looters who are everywhere around us in pretty stark language, some of it Trump some of it, you know, the worse, you know, brown shirts, communists, bunch of stuff like that. Um, and his argument in this was that um, since this was broadcast and piped out to law enforcement itself, that it created a sense of. Like you should do something out there to impress me or or you should be on on like triple heightened alert. And that led to the atmosphere of of violence. Um, So I I have been concerned that the combination of Trump's instinct to play politics with this, um, to play physically with the military, which the military itself is pushing back on in a way that it's really super interesting and uh, and uh, and kind of helpful, um, uh, mixed with the utter fecklessness of people like bill de blasio the mayor of new york in dealing with his own police force to say yeah maybe instead of like you know harassing the peaceful protesters on the bridge go after the people who are actually looting in midtown in the exact same places or in soho in the exact same places that everyone's been following for the last three days um that combination would produce something where there'd be uh, a crackety crack. And suddenly we're talking about 15 dead bodies and then American politics changes. So I've been yeah, worried about
2: that. Yeah. I mean, to Camille's point, I, I mean, echo Matt on this. And that's uh, clearly my bigger concern is, you know, I mean, the, the idea to even introduce the suggestion of the military. Is because of is is obviously because it gives Trump this idea that I'm a big strong guy and he talks that language. I'm going to do it in a strong way. You got to be strong and like he he's that sort of dopey to think that this is effective. But unfortunately, there is a um, the Kent State thing that Jonathan last mentioned is is not wrong. And these things have a way of forward motion of happening and don't create those conditions um, because. That would be a bad thing right now to put people in that situation
0: All right should we wrap it up? um yeah, I mean I guess I guess we can get out of here we've We've covered a great deal of ground I, I think we've done a public a service yeah. for the people. Um, I will say that I keep uh, there's a quote that I keep seeing floating around uh, from MLK about uh, riots being the the language of the unheard. That's not and what he I've, said. Yeah, I find it Only. very offensive. Like he said a couple of different things uh, around that quote, but he also said that every time a riot develops, it helps George Wallace, which amongst all of mm-hmm. the things that one might say about riots, perhaps it is in fact the, the language of the unheard. Um, but the rejoinder that I often hear with respect to that is maybe we should be listening and, and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, Nicole Hannah-Jones on what CBS News this week uh, where she's been called up. And it is very interesting, like the voices who have been called in to help explain the moment and contextualize it for people. Like that is a quote that's been used regularly along with ser- assertions that to use the word violence to describe like acts of vandalism, um, burning down a building or something uh, is, is wrong. When, in fact, what's being protested is police violence, um, which, as we've said here many times, we make no apologies for law enforcement. I'm happy that many people seem to be discovering that, oh, my God, unions can sometimes lead to bad outcomes for citizens. That somehow, way, the fact that there is a union organization is protecting people, allowing for bad behavior to be inculcated and to be proliferated throughout an organization and helping folks evade punishment. Wonder where else that might also be true. (laughs) Where where else might unions have those pernicious impacts? Um, So that was, that, that was maybe just something I wanted to get off of my chest before we go.
2: Yeah. And I just wanted to add to what Camille said. I watched the other day, it's a very good interview. Actually I watched the uh, 60 minutes interview. Um, from 1968 with mm-hmm. with King, um, done by Mike Wallace. Um, also a good documentary recently about Mike Wallace, a very interesting, complicated man, and a very good interviewer. But that uh is the language of the oppressed thing. It's not only n- uh, not an endorsement of um that kind of behavior. Is it literally you know a couple of breaths away? He says this about mm-hmm. summer, and this is coming up on the end of uh. King's life when he was assassinated, um, says my hope is that it will be nonviolent. I would hope that we can avoid riots because riots are Mm self-defeating and socially destructive. There it is.
0: Totally obvious. So I keep so I keep obvious, hearing right? people talk about like the the fact that you know well riots happen and sometimes there's change afterwards you know MLK died but it was the riots afterwards that really brought people to the table and forced them to do something and one I mean the the notion that violence quote unquote works I mean yeah I could write a book about how robbing banks you could get rich <laughs> robbing banks like this isn't shocking <laughs> to exactly get right. rich like getting exactly into right. kidnapping that's a thing that you could do um but it has some nasty side effects and it, it costs you something. And the morality of that action is in serious question. And the notion that it is ever acceptable or ever something that is explicable in a way that, well, we have to really understand what's happening here is so crass and so disturbing and infantilizing. This is 400 no, years that's, that's of slavery. True. That's what's going on. Jake Paul, that stupid YouTube kid who just got arrested because apparently he was like a fucking up a P.F. Chang's or something, or at least there are charges filed against him. <laughs> 400 years of slavery. Explain what's going on there. That's the, that's the language of the unheard. No, it's the opportunist. It's the larcenist. It's the, it's the, it's the, 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 the foul circus clown. It's the monster from from Clockwork Orange who just wants a little of the old violence. Like, that's what they are. And it's fair to castigate them for if their, for their behavior. And it's fair also to note the bizarreness of these scenes that you'll see of, like, storefronts in California that are being boarded up and in preparation for some storm that they anticipate because they know a demonstration is coming, they know the night is coming and there may be uh, vandals running the streets, and they board up their buildings and then they paint on top of the boards all these beautiful murals devoted to the cause of Black Lives Matter. And it could be that those murals are heartfelt and sincere and well-intentioned and that they're just showing their love for this cause. It, let's presume that's the case. In either case, it is somewhat disturbing to see it. And it does seem kind of biblical. It does feel like the Passover, the blood that's smeared on the doorpost. It feels like that. It's worth acknowledging that that dynamic exists because that is the bizarre moment that we're in. And it's there's something ugly about it. And we should be able to say that the LA
1: times it doesn't, has, it doesn't
0: say anything about all the people who are peacefully protesting.
1: The LA it times among other people, uh, publications in Southern California have published a long list of black owned businesses. Why would you publish that list? Mm. What's the list telling us right now? And the implication <laughs> is pretty clear, Right.
0: Is that true? Yep. They yeah, I sent it to you
1: yeah, guys. Are, uh, uh, yeah, they published it. And yeah. they're not the only ones. A couple, a couple people have done it. And, the, and, the have- and
0: in some cases, you'll see, you'll see folks sharing this as in, oh, buy black to support black people. My, my wife has actually received phone calls from people like, what can I do to help you and support you? Is there anything that you need in this difficult time? Give me fucking
2: money. <laughs> um, she, <she's> be- <laughs> no product she's is necessary. Just give me money. That. Although yeah. taking the money from people yeah. would help
0: well, the them they is- feel better. <laughs>
2: exactly. Well, I, look to your point. By the way, Camille, and this is a very basic one, and it's one that I'm offended that I even have to make, and is 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 I'm appalled actually that it's something that could even be considered controversial. Is that if you think that rioting works, okay? Because to your point, it is true that there's no crime in North Korea. (laughs) I have a way of getting rid of crime, right? If You're interested in that? Because it works in North Korea, right? So, yeah, it works. Why, if that is what your goal is? Because that's clearly what they're thinking. They're the James Q. Wilsons of their neighborhood trying to think of, like, how to get rid of crime but actually riot at the same time and how to fix their neighborhood and fix policing and the rest of it. What do you need the shorts for? What do you need the the boxes of Nikes for? Break the fucking window then and walk away. Because you know what? That's getting attention. Burn the shit down. Don't empty it and then burn <laughs> it down. What are you doing? Why are you filling your cars with shit? Because all you're trying to do is bring attention to the. I
1: mean, the, 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 the ethics of. Like,
2: stop the it. The ethics you're of a riot. <laughs> if we're, if we're going to like
1: plot it out intellectually. It's amazing. Is you burn the police station down, preferably with nobody in it. Um, from my point of view, um, and I'm not advocating anyone unless, unless you're
0: Ice Cube. Unless you're Ice Cube, I'm not advocating which case you anyone do that. Violence while hide, hiding in your mansion, and don't don't go on the view because you're afraid to talk about the tweets that you put up. But I'm gonna hold up That a, is Mr. Death Certificate. I'm gonna Mr. hold NWA, a, Mr. Uh, Real Gangster. Today was a good day because you're a coward. Oh. Sorry, Matt.
2: He didn't have to use his AK because he was sitting <laughs> home his, and and. I um, hold,
1: hold up a book by a guy <laughs> named Tim Wendell called The Summer of 68. It's a baseball season, the, the year that changed everything forever. And if you think about what happened in just the baseball season of 1968 um, and what uh, did that change forever, and it's not really a baseball-related thing, but it's just that there were riots all over the goddamn country because everyone was being assassinated, particularly Martin Luther King. And those riots changed the composition and the governance and the basic reality of cities in America as much as any single event has in the last 150 years, right? People went to the suburbs. I remember going, uh, I was in, spent one day, one very eventful day in St. Louis in 2000, I think in October, um, covering the Ralph Nader campaign. It was the same day that, um, uh, what's his face died in a, in a plane crash, um, uh, who's the senator or governor of the of the uh, of the state it's very very uh, traumatic and weird day but I got a tour by a local alt- weekly journalist of st. Louis which you know is the fourth biggest city in the country in 1900 and and was just a marvelous marvelous place I uh, will uh, I, I can't wait to go back uh, there and he showed the blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks of just everything boarded up forever and it's all 68 and everyone fled to the first available suburb, uh, particularly if it was beyond city limits. Like you walk across the city limit where the governance is going to be different and where people who have fled have created their own polities that are run better and safer. And in this case are certainly whiter and there's all races heavy in the air there. And um, it's bad, man. It's weird and wrong. Like as a, as someone who grew up in, In a place where their racism was palpable to actually see post 1968 segregated or nearly segregated cities all around, including Washington, D.C., which is one of the weirdest cities on the planet in terms of like race relations and the segregation of people and the professional class versus the permanent class. All of that has always felt terribly, awfully wrong to me. And 1968 and the riots of them and reaction To the riots is all part of it. New York City doesn't go bankrupt in 1977 if it wasn't for the tumult of 1968. Probably. There's other things that are associated with it. None of that shit was good. Tell me what was good about any of that. Any of that that led to something like super great. It wasn't. It was really, really bad. I don't think I don't think that it led to um, any specific wonderful reform from the, you know 1968 to 1977 and it reshaped cities and there are places that are like permanently scarred and kind of mangled mm-hmm. as a direct result 14th Street
2: as I've mentioned many times before you can see in the great um, mr. T and uh, early Bill <laughs> Maher movie mm-hmm. DC cab um, at the beginning is uh, 14th Street uh, and is in the early 80s probably 81 82 that movie came out. Um, and it's still totally yeah. burnt down um, from U street to the white house. And that was never, it wasn't rebuilt and it took the big boom of the late two thousands for that, um, that neighborhood yeah. to totally truck. about that on the, on the Patreon. But yeah, it bit. didn't, yeah. Get,
0: Baltimore is similar thing yeah, after Freddie yeah. Gray, five years later, just still essentially recovering from that. And, and that doesn't even tell you about the unseen costs, the investment that doesn't come back, the store that doesn't reopen, et cetera, et cetera. It's bad. Mm-hmm. It is generally bad. And guess what? It's worse if you're in the midst of a recession, maybe a depression Mm -hmm. and a municipal bond crisis because the cities and the states don't have money and they're still trying to recover from this battle with COVID, which maybe we get a really nasty second wave as, as a result of all of this outdoor activity. And hey, guess what? If we don't get it, someone has some answering to do. Because they told us we had to stay inside and they told us
1: that those (laughs)
0: miserable people, those monsters, those racist, greedy, selfish monsters who were going to get people killed, the ones who were animated by their concern about losing their livelihood or even just getting a haircut because you know what? You're allowed to get haircuts in this country. Like those monsters were going to get people killed because they were getting together in the streets. But again, now it's fine. It used to be that the doctors were standing in the streets bravely to obstruct them from walking. Now they're standing in front of the hospital applauding as the streams of protesters go by, maybe 50% of which don't have masks on. Are you kidding? Like seriously, <laughs> it is an upside down universe, dude. It's, it's, it's also it's, pretty funny. It's, I just want to say stop that as, yeah, stop. as long as, get as, out as
1: long as we have, uh, uh, the, our COVID haircuts, I hope that, <laughs> I hope that before phase 25 comes through and we can actually engage in personal hygiene again, we should get like a, a, a gang photo of us with our 1978 <laughs> haircuts.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, we should, we should sometime uh, soon um, record together. Wow. Yeah, the yeah. Riots. wow. Shots well, once fired. The, once
0: the riots calm down, I think once the do riots that. calm down, I'll come, do I'll come up there. And we could take you know? a, a social distancing picture with six six feet in between yeah. each of us. We could totally do yeah, it absolutely. on
1: the patio or on Moynihan's roof. I know his neighbors love that. Yeah, yeah. totally.
2: Yeah, totally. Cool. I'm into cool. it. All right. Well, That's that was it. a good one. And um, done doing we're all talk. done with our lives, yeah, with right. our careers. We're always here. We'd be right here. Right. Y'all know
0: where to find us. Bye. Bye. We, we
2: know of new methods of attack. Broken heart.